1: If you don't know what that means, do some research, because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try quantum upgrade, visit quantumupgrade.io/dave for a seven-day free trial. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. Today's cool fact of the day is that the antibodies in your body that attack wheat gliadin, one of the proteins from wheat, also happen to attack your heart tissue. So much for when you see claims like heart healthy whole grains, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're a performance athlete, it doesn't really matter. Grains are not a part of being healthy cognitively or healthy from a cardiac perspective or just healthy in general. You're listening to episode five of Upgraded Self Radio. This is Dave from the Bulletproof Executive blog talking about how you can upgrade your mind, your body, and your life to levels you never thought possible. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy, it helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave 15, Qualia NAD Plus. It's what I use. Today, we have a great interview with Rick Green and John Cowns from Hyperion Biotechnology. These guys have created a unique test that is the first of its kind to accurately measure fatigue. It actually measures salivary peptides to determine exactly how fatigued or tired you are, whether it's from some kind of athletic training or just from emotional or other forms of physical stress, which could even include like job stress or relationship stress. These are the kinds of stress that make you not bulletproof. This can even come from venture capital fundraising stress. It doesn't matter where it's from, but if you can measure your body to know what's going on, it's really cool. This is a brand new test, and we're really excited to be able to share this new tool for self-quantification with you.
2: I'm here today with Rick Green and John Collins, the inventors of the technology behind something called the Fatigue Biomarker Test, which we're going to talk about today. So guys, thank you so much for coming on the interview. Yeah, it's great to be here. Cool. So what... Before we get into this very deeply, what is a fatigue bomb marker and how did you all discover this technology and get into it? Well,
3: the story goes like this. We had this idea that, that there was a real deficit in uh, understanding how to how to make things better for, for soldiers that were being deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan uh, after the, the war on terror got started. And what was ultimately happening was a lot of folks were having to pull really long duty cycles. And not only that, that they had to, you know, haul around huge amounts of weight. Uh, like when soldiers deploy now, and this is always in the case, they have literally 120 pounds of gear that they're carrying, including weapons and all, and, and ammunition and water and a whole bunch of things going on. It's very stressful. They often are up for very long periods of time. And the question came up, you know, how far can you push guys before they crack? And you get into some real problems in terms of complete operations. Uh, And, you you know, the bottom line is you don't want people hurt and killed if you can avoid it. Uh, War is a messy business. There's no doubt about it. And so the Army uh, came out with an idea. They said, okay, are there ways that we can assess fatigue? Because we know fatigue is a major source of accidents. And, and problems that we get into uh, during the things that happen are related to fatigue. So we need better ways of measuring fatigue so we can minimize it um, on the battlefield and, and, and basically use soldiers more effectively to accomplish the tasks that they have to do. Um, so we looked at that as an opportunity. We we're very interested in that idea. Um, and, and we see that that's you know, something that really is unanswered in the private sector, too. There's a big demand for ways of measuring fatigue in the private sector, as you probably can can think uh, about. Um, So we got a grant for uh, $850,000 from the Army to develop these fatigue biomarkers, and and long story short, we wanted to look at saliva because uh, that's something that you can sample easily. You don't have to stick someone in the arm and get a blood sample or do anything like that. you know, capturing a urine sample is kind of nice, sort of, but it has some logistic problems, too. And saliva seems like a really good way to go on this. Um, second thing is we were thinking that a lot of metabolic events are, are really probably what we're going to be looking at, um, and that those metabolic events are often expressed as changes in or removal of short little bits of, of enzymes that are that are related to metabolism. And and our idea was that these little short little bits that are cut off of these big enzymes are going to wind up in the blood and ultimately in the saliva, and that we can measure those things and measure metabolic events uh, such as transition to uh, burning lipids as as an event that we will be able to detect with our our marker technology. So we went into it with no assumptions about what we were going to find. And so what we did was we just got people on treadmills uh, we worked with the University of Montana on this, and what they did is put people on treadmills and cycle ergometers for uh, eight hours, and we got saliva samples at various times. At the end of the eight hours, they were all very tired. And these are these are really uh, healthy people. These are recreational cyclists. Uh, they're folks in very very good shape. They're they're very young. Uh, and they look a lot like the military population, except they might actually be in better shape than a, a lot of the guys that were over, the, over there in Iraq. Uh, long story short, we, we compared the composition of saliva. We focused on the low molecular weight component. Uh, we focused mainly on uh, peptides. And so we, we took a sample of the saliva from one of these guys before they started their endurance exercise and at the end of the eight-hour period, and compared the compositions using liquid chromatography, mass spectroscopy, and some bioinformatics tools that we invented here. Um, finally, we identified a number of things that were, sure enough, related to uh, physical performance uh, capability. Uh, and a couple of those peptides, we, we actually have them synthesized. Uh, we filed patent on them now, and... Uh, so it's very hot stuff, and a and, uh, bottom line is, when you're fatigued, uh, some of these peptides are reduced in their abundance by a 1,000 to 10,000 fold. So they're high initially, and they're present in relatively large amounts in, in your saliva. As you get really, really fatigued, they virtually disappear. And so we have uh, essentially like a, a yes-no marker for fatigue, and this is related specifically to physical fatigue and the ability to... To perform physical exercise. So we are very excited by this. Uh, one application that we've used in, is in, in uh, training of special operations forces. And one of the issues in special operations is that uh, guys get out of basic training, they're in good shape, and they're uh, really, really motivated, typically. But even despite all that, uh, about... 50 to 80% of the folks that go into special training, special operations training, never ever make it through. They fail in the first uh, what's called the indoctrination session. Uh, This is a a fairly rigorous training cycle. And one of the things we thought about was if the guys were coming in fatigued, uh, could we predict who was going to fail and who was going to succeed? And lo and behold, our uh, fatigue biomarker does a very good job of predicting who's going to fail and succeed. Now, in terms of military operations, that's important because you can reduce the number of failures by judiciously selecting the folks in, to go into uh, special forces training cycle and to become special forces operators. Another important example there is that if you have fatigue uh, detected with our markers, you can go to these guys and say, look, you're fatigued, let's find out why, and let's make you less fatigued. And uh that's the really exciting part where we can start applying different types of interventions, uh changes in training, changes in sleep, changes in diet, to essentially make a, a very fit person even better. And and I guess that's that's kind of the uh kind of long winded uh but short answer to uh what we think is a fascinating and, and ultimately a very beneficial technology.
2: Yeah, that's great. How long have people known about the relationship between salivary peptides and stress? Is this something you all just discovered? Yeah, uh,
3: this is something that we discovered, and I alluded to this idea that our original hypothesis was that we were going to see small fragments from enzymes that are related to energy utilization. What we found, though, was was something that was more exciting in a way and, and a little bit surprising. Namely, the peptides that we found are fragments of a larger protein uh, that is expressed only by the salivary gland. And what we found out was that the abundance of these fractions is really controlled by the physical fatigue state and other types of states, which I can't get into uh, because of patent issues that are pending right now. Uh, But the salivary gland is linked up both to the uh, neuroendocrine system the immune system, and the brain itself. So we know that those those linkages exist. And lo and behold, as you get more fatigue, the behavior of the salivary gland as an exocrine functioning gland actually changes in a very profound and significant way that we can measure by looking at the composition of saliva.
2: So could this test possibly predict uh, mental fatigue and maybe immune system depression and those kinds of things as well?
3: Well, I think, I think you tap on a very uh, uh, hot area, and I, I, I just have to uh, say that I have to be very careful. I, I really can't comment on that because, let me, I'll, I'll just say this. We, we have a, a number of, of different research programs that are in the works right now. We have a, a number of different collaborators in the federal government, and I think there's a real opportunity uh, to understand how the composition of saliva is linked to all types of different physical phenomena. And I don't, I'm don't. i being cagey deliberately because, again, I, I don't want to make public disclosure of, of things that, that uh, could jeopardize patentability of some of our, our technology that's coming online.
2: Fair enough. Sounds good. So how do you go about measuring these peptides? How, would, how is the test performed? Does somebody spit in a little tube and mail it to you, or how is it done?
3: That's exactly right. Uh, it, what you do is we would send you... A 15-mil centrifuge tube, uh, which is 15 milliliters of saliva, is about, uh, gosh, I don't know, two tablespoons of saliva. Take you about three to five, uh, maybe six minutes to accumulate that much. Uh, you spit in the tube, seal it up, put it back in the mailer, and send it to us. Uh, one of the things that we know about our physical fatigue peptides is that they're relatively stable, and so sending by regular U.S. mail, it's just fine. Uh, so they come to us, we get the saliva, we do a bunch of proprietary processing to kind of clean up and refine and get to the biomarker, and then we apply a technology that's called liquid chromatography mass spectroscopy. And what that enables us to do is to separate all the different components in saliva uh, after our preliminary steps. And There's about five to 10,000 different components, distinct chemical components there, and so we separate them out using uh, chromatography. And then we use a very precise detector, which is a mass spectrometer. And that tells us not only the, the abundance of the compounds of interest, but also their chemical identity. So we're, we're this is really the cutting edge uh, way that many uh, analytes are, are measured in uh, clinical uh, laboratory. Uh, and this is really uh, the state of the art right here. It's not cheap. Uh, but it is the uh, definitive way of, of, of doing this uh, type of, of assessment.
2: Do you see any opportunities in the future for doing a home testing kit so you wouldn't have to mail it in?
3: Yeah, if you want to, you can go to fatiguebiomarker.com and order the test. It's $55 for a single test.
2: In the future, do you ever think maybe there could be something like a almost like a pregnancy test where you spit into a little spot and it'll tell you? like on a graded scale, what your fatigue markers are?
3: Absolutely. Uh, and, and one of the great things there is that, that we have uh, worked with some companies uh, to actually define the components of this type of a, a test, and we've talked to a number of companies. The, the, the trick here is to make a pregnancy test, what you need is a molecule which will recognize and bind to your molecule of interest with very high affinity, and typically, for all these uh, what are called point-of-care tests like this, you, you raise uh, up antibodies, an immune response, collect the antibodies against these things, and you use those as a t- detection platform. That does two things for you. One, it can shorten the time to get a test completed from uh, literally days or, or a week, which is what we're looking at right now, uh, to, to perhaps... As, as short as an hour or even half an hour, uh, there's, there's other technologies that are coming online that can make this almost real time uh, where you can get test results uh, essentially in, in 30 minutes, maybe two minutes even. Uh, so we're going down that road uh, and we hope to have uh, something like that in maybe a, another uh, year or two. Wow,
2: that sounds great. How do you know whether I'm actually fatigued or not? Like, What kind of standard are you com- comparing it to for reference?
3: Yeah, it's a great question, uh, and and you know this is part of the, the the very interesting philosophical issue that I think surrounds the whole idea of fatigue. What is fatigue? Uh, you know, how do you define it? And and I think uh, there, there's a lot of questions about that. What we've tied it to uh, in terms of this are, are different types of outcome measures. For example, when we did the cycle ergometer testing, uh, we were looking at the ability of folks to maintain. A standard, uh, mechanical output, let's say on the cycle ergometer, can they, uh, pedal at the same rate all the time? That's one, one way of assessing it. As you get more fatigued, you can't maintain a, a, a steady, uh, rate of, of, uh, energy output like that. As you well know, you get a little bit choppy and, and your performance becomes a little bit less, uh, consistent. Another thing that we did was to, uh, uh, Ask about their, their, uh, what's called a POM score, and this is a, an assessment of how one perceives, uh, their exertional output and how difficult the task is. There's, a, there's a really, uh, extensive literature on use of these types of measures, and they're essentially a, a visual analog that says, you know, from, on a scale of 1 to 20, was this really hard? Is this the hardest thing you ever did? Uh, or maybe it's not such a hard thing at all. And so we were tracking uh, folks using this uh, measurement scale over time and linking that to the biomarker. So essentially, uh, as folks got more tired, uh, there was a correlation between the fatigue that they expressed and the levels of the biomarker. Now, the question obviously becomes, well, why don't you just ask people how fatigued they are? And where you get into problems there is that, that perception of fatigue. Is altogether something different than the actual fatigue status and the, the actual capability of the individual. And as you well know, there's a lot of factors that can play into how one uh, does, let's say in a, in a race or in any kind of athletic competition. And that there's uh, uh, a lot of factors that go into that and, and physical fatigue is only one of them. You know, so we really, we, we hope that this would be a positive feedback where folks would get this information back and say, well look, I'm not as fatigued as I thought I was, or I'm really fatigued according to the biomarker test, but guess what? I'm not doing as bad as I, 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 I could be. You know, so there's a lot of ways of spinning this, and ultimately what you use the information for is to make yourself a better, more capable athlete and a better person, I think, ultimately. That's where we're going. Uh, finally, the really complex outcome was the success in the, in the Special Forces guys. Predicting who will succeed and who will fail, and I'll tell you, special forces training is very complex. It's not just a, a, a an athletic challenge. There's a lot of mental challenges there too, and in fact, the mental challenges are probably more significant. So when we found out our biomarker could predict success or failure, we were very excited because this really says uh, validates the whole claim that we're we're predicting something which is very useful in life generally. Uh, not just in terms of physical performance. So, of course, the physical performance is is really where this thing is linked. So, again, a complicated issue and fatigue. I think we don't even have a good language of talking about it yet, but I think our technology will certainly enable that discussion to go forward.
2: So when you were testing the people who are going into special forces training, what kind of accuracy did this test have? What percentage of the special forces people who were high on the fatigue biomarker or had, who had high levels of fatigue ended up failing? Well,
3: it's a, it's a distribution. It's a statistical distribution. I can tell you this, if your marker comes in uh, suggesting fatigue, let's say at a level of 0.1, uh, which, is, which is very fatigued, your chances of, of failing are about 90%. If you come in on, at a level of 1 or above, uh, and this is suggesting that you're not very fatigued at all, your chances of succeeding are about 80 to 90 percent now folks that fall in the middle of that range which is maybe about uh, 30 to fifty percent of the folks there uh, you know their, their their likelihood is a little bit mixed you can't make such such profound conclusions about it so again there's trends there uh, in other words if you're if you're on the low end of the high part of the scale you're more likely to succeed than if you're at the lower end. But there are some absolute uh, cutoffs here that really, I think, would be useful in determining definitively, wow, you're really fatigued or, hey, you're doing pretty good and you're about as good off as you're ever going to be in terms of your uh, physical capability.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. So what, uh, what, what, what is the scale for how fatigued somebody is? You said 0.1 to 1. Have you ever had somebody who's like more than one? Or, so what is the uh, scale graded on?
3: Well, we, we have, uh, the way we look at the scale, and this is the kind of feedback that we would get back to somebody who actually takes the test, is if your level is above one, uh, you're essentially in, a, in, a, in pretty good shape. And, uh, uh, you know, you're probably doing the right thing. Uh, there's, probably, there's probably some room for improvement, and this is something we just, honestly, we need more data. I'm a scientist, and I'm always a little cautious to make too many conclusions. I think the higher you are, and we did measure some people as high as 100, uh, I'm not sure exactly what that means. But if you're above 1, uh, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, now, if, if you're between the range of 1 and, say, point 0.1, uh, you're somebody that could be improved. In other words, you're showing evidence of fatigue. Uh, and there's probably interventions or changes that you can do in your life uh, that would probably improve your fatigue score and probably improve your physical capability. Now, if you're below 0.1, that suggests that you're really fatigued, that you have some real issues uh, that need to be addressed for you to come up anywhere near to where you should be. Uh, and that really, that person, that's the person that we want to reach out to and say, look, uh, find out what, where your life is, find out what your training's about, find out about your personal life, think about it introspectively, and we invite you to make some changes and measure the fatigue biomarker after you make those changes and see if it improves. And that's the great thing about this, I think, is that over time, this allows people to get better over time and improve their own physical performance capability. That's what's really exciting. here.
2: Yeah, it is. Now, there are a lot of other measures for fatigue. I know depressed heart rate is one measure, your general mood, your performance in workouts, um, your blood lactate, all sorts of other measurements. What makes this better or worse than those? What kind of advantages does this fatigue biomarker test have over the standard measures of fatigue?
3: Right. Yeah, it's a a, a really good question. I I think what, what plagues a lot of things like lactate, cortisol, some of the hard measures that have been around for a very long time is that they're highly variable uh, and they're dependent on a lot of different factors uh, that are coming um, that come into play. Ultimately, we you know we when we did some of our our testing here, we did measure things like salivary cortisol uh, and we did measure things like lactate. And when we stood them up against our marker, the thing that really comes out is that the variability for our marker is much, much smaller than it is for some of these other measures. And what that means is, is that, you know, we're seeing things decline, for example, by a 1,000 to 10,000 fold. When you see changes occurring in cortisol, you know, you're, you're lucky if you're seeing something that's maybe between two-fold, three-fold, four-fold uh, lactate spike. Again, yeah, you can see a, a pretty significant increase in lactate. But the variability, even within a single individual, is, is, is so large. And so we see with our marker that it's essentially an off-on switch. Uh, and, and within a population of people, again, we see very tighter distributions here. Uh, and that's the main advantage. The heart rate measures like what you can get out of a, a polar monitor or other types of things, yeah, they're useful, uh, but again, they're susceptible to a lot of different inputs. And the software, I would argue, uh, also is a little bit, uh, you don't know exactly what you're getting out of this. Uh, and, uh, there's a lot of things that can affect, uh, heart rate variability or RR interval, uh, measures. Uh, ironically, we are, we are working and have patented some technology, uh, to use RR interval measures with a, uh, chest strap and, uh, results are interesting, but we don't see it really great relationship there to physical performance. Not as good as what we have with our markers.
2: Are there any factors that could affect the test? As you said, it's a salivary peptide test. So it seems like if you ate something before the test, it might throw it off. Is that true?
3: Well, that's a a great, great point. And and in fact, when we did our initial exploration studies with uh, uh, the University of Montana, one of the things that uh, the exercise physiologist that we were working with was interested about carbohydrate loading taking place four, four hours into this endurance test. And he really wanted to see, you know, the, uh, exercise physiologists, as you know, are very interested in different ways of tweaking things uh, to make people perform better. And what we found out was this intermediate meal of carbohydrate uh, had no more effect than feeding of a placebo. Uh, so the answer is, is we don't think food has, has a great uh, effect on this. Carbohydrate loading doesn't seem to have a big effect on this. Uh, hydration is one of the things that comes to mind. When you, you're dehydrated, at, especially after after a long endurance uh, event, uh, our test actually measures two peptides, and one of them is, is something that we use to normalize for the effects of dehydration. So actually, we're not measuring just dehydration when we measure the peptide, we're actually normalizing for that dehydration event and uh so our test is even more accurate than it otherwise would be um so i hope that kind of answers the question but but it's a a complicated issue and one we really invite people to explore again not all people are the same and some interventions are going to be more effective than others i think
2: yeah and that was perfect so is this meant to provide an overview of stress in someone's life accounting for numerous factors or is it more of something you might use after a workout, and then send it in and see exactly how fatigued you really were during the workout?
3: Well, this is this is a very interesting question, uh, and, and yeah, when we discovered this thing again, we saw we were looking for dramatic changes in composition that were associated with an acute, short, relatively short-term uh, endurance exercise. Uh, that's what we were looking for. Uh, now, were the folks that were undergoing a short-term bout of exercise acutely stressed or seeing stressors in their life overall? I don't know. I, I think the answer is probably not to a great degree. However, however, this is the really cool part. I think is that when you look at the special forces guys that were coming in, we were measuring a single saliva sample at the outset of the training regime. Now they go through through a uh, eight week, no, twelve week training regime uh, for the special forces guys that we looked at. So that single saliva sample before they started training indicated whether or not they were going to fall out during that 12-week period. Now, that would suggest to me that we're looking at more than simply the acute phase performance characteristic of an individual. I think when we observe a low level of the marker, we're looking at something which is tells greater. It's about the totality of the individual's performance capability. And I think that totality is... is, uh, uh, influenced to a great extent by emotional stressors, psychological stressors, immunologic uh, stress, and the whole uh, whole galaxy of different things that, that could predict whether or not someone's going to succeed during special forces training. So I think the answer is yes, but we need more data, and, and I think that's uh, the bottom line, and we're working on that right now.
2: As people begin to take this test, are you like accumulating a large body of data that you can draw on to look at these kinds of things?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what makes this really cool, I think, is over time, we, we hope to accumulate a lot of data on people, uh, both from controlled studies and, and studies that are relatively uncontrolled. I think where this is potentially going, is, is and we hope, of course, that it goes to something which is kind of viral, where people are talking and discussing among themselves about what they did and how it affected their biomarker levels. You know, you can imagine that, that a lot of folks are going to start sharing information about supplements. And I think this really talks to the whole supplements industry. Because we both know that, you know, uh, something winding up in a muscle mag with, with some celebrity making an endorsement doesn't necessarily mean that the supplement's efficacious or safe, right? And and so this is the way that people can answer for themselves, does the supplement really help me objectively or not? And And placebo effects can be profound. Uh, with regard to to supplement use. And really, for any kind of intervention, whether you're going with a new trainer, um, you know, new foot gear, whatever it is, you know, you you tend to believe that that stuff will work. This is not meant to degrade that, but to enable you to really understand objectively whether the the interventions that you're doing are really effective for you or not. The results might be surprising, you know, and and, uh, we hope that, that the community shares through Hyperion this information, and that users share it among themselves. I, th- I think once the discussion gets going, it's going to revolutionize the uh, supplement and really uh, a- a- athletic uh, pursuits overall. I think it's going to be absolutely revolutionary.
2: This is great. I mean, you often hear the, like one of the factors for selecting supplements should be whether you really feel a difference or not. But oftentimes, you're not going to feel a difference. It might be very subtle, but you still want to know it's working. And this seems like it would be a perfect way to actually... Make sure you're getting what your money's worth. That sounds absolutely amazing.
3: Yeah, I, I think I think a really good and well-studied uh, analog to this is uh, the use of depression medication. And why I bring that up is that depression medication is when they when they do these big controlled studies by the pharmaceutical companies. About forty percent of the people that are treated with a placebo is, shows significant positive benefit from taking the placebo, and that's a big big deal. And in fact, the drugs often show just a minimal uh, improvement over placebo. And there's been a lot written about that lately. And I think uh, folks that use supplements ought to take that to heart. You know uh, That, you know, if you have a positive outlook, that can make all the difference in the world. Uh, but still, it may not really be having any demonstrable, real effects on your body.
2: Right. Let's say there's somebody who's not an athlete, but they're just a hardworking, like, Mom, or something like that, like a soccer mom. He's working really hard, trying to get her kids all over the place. Could she use something like this to try and see the, or try and quantify the amount of stress that's in her life? So basically, any person could actually get an objective marker for their stress.
3: Yeah, I think I think that's that's the really exciting part, and uh, that this marker really could be of great benefit and give people some pause and, and think about what they're doing in their lives. I think there's so many people that are pushing themselves so hard and they have so many different things going on. They got the kids, they got the job, uh, they got things that they got to do at home, you know, they got activities, they're spending two hours a day on the road. I mean, it's, it's absolutely endless. And I think I think this kind of thing says, hey, look, take a rest, uh, think about what you're eating. Uh, here it is in black and white. Here's the result. Are you on the right path or you, you know, could be, could your life be better? I think this is the enabling technology
2: that we really need for that. It's often hard for people in any job to come in and really say, like, we're being overworked. And the person can always just say, well, what do you mean? Like, there's no real objective measure for overworked. And so this might be useful for somebody who's trying to explain to somebody else how far they're really pushing themselves. And they can show them with numbers. I am, like, this fatigued. I need to take a break. So that might be useful for that.
3: Well, there's there's a lot of professions and and uh, boy, you know where the stakes are really high, and I think the stakes are really high for teachers too. You know where where I think you're absolutely right. You know you would you want a physician that was super fatigued operating on you? I don't. I think the answer is no. You know and and so yeah, there's a lot of applications out there, and there's a lot of interest in the technology.
2: Cool. So now I'd like to get a little bit more into the details of the test. So. When somebody orders the test, what happens? how do you can you take us through the process of what it's like to go through get this test done on yourself?
3: Right. Well, what first you know first comes the money. Uh, send us. Uh, we have a, a credit card enabled uh, website. Uh, so what you do is, is basically punch in your credit card information. Secure a website uh, www and then. Uh, what we'll do is we'll send you a sample collection kit, which is just brutally simple. It'll have uh, some some collection tubes in it with some very simple instructions. You know, don't brush your teeth, don't drink a lot of water right before taking the test, uh, and then spit in the tube until you get uh, the required amount. Seal it up, uh, put it back in the mailer, uh, and drop it in a in a mailbox. It's really that simple. Um, and then what we do is again we we do some uh, fancy chemical preparation of the saliva. Uh, we really clean it up and separate it. And then we stick it in our LCMS machine, liquid chromatography mass spec machine, and we get a readout. Uh, now, that readout will give you the concentration of, of your fatigue biomarker. And we will express that and let you know, uh, in terms of our population knowledge, where you fall. You're either, again, one and above, which is good, uh, 1 to 0.1, which is, well, you know, you got probably some issues that are addressable, or less than 0.1, which means that you're really fatigued and you really got to take a careful look at what your life is all about. Uh, And then, you know, I think from there, we we have some suggestions. We we suggest on the website uh, that you could actually run your own what's called a crossover study uh, where, for example, if you're doing a uh, 10-mile run, you take a sample before the 10-mile run, after the 10 mile run and then you do it let's say a few days later but you're doing your uh let's say you're doing some supplement that you hope will make you better and less fatigued. Well you repeat, you take the supplement, measure your biomarker before the run and then after the run. And what we'll do is give you a detailed assessment of how your fatigue level was affected by the supplement. And and again that's that's where we see a lot of value uh, I forget Rick what the, what the cost of that one is but it's it's highly discounted I think we're asking for those four tests I think it's $110 dollars or something like that so so if you order a little bit more you get a lot more value back as well
2: so how does somebody see their test results are they mailed to them in an email or a snail mail or is it on the website how does that work
3: well we would we would uh, email it To somebody, and again, it would be a nice PDF form, uh, you know, that that would I think you know be very descriptive, tell tell you about the technology, tell you about the interpretation of the results, and it'd be but a fairly succinct document and uh, something that would not be overly technical. Though again, we invite people to really think about what what it is that they're doing. We like that kind of technical discussion. In fact, we would really like to talk to people. Uh, About their ideas of what they would like to be measured and we're willing to work with folks uh, To design a testing regime that really makes sense uh, And and answers the questions that they want answered. There's more than one way to skin this cat I think and uh, We we really look forward to working for with, with people on this
2: So how long does it take for the test to get completed once somebody sends in their saliva sample?
3: Well, we can, we can turn around the test in, in about a week. It uh, kind of depends on the workflow. Uh, maybe as, as, as little as it, just a few days, uh, depending. Uh, again, uh, this is a, a fancy test. Uh, no, no two ways about it. Uh, it's expensive. It's time-consuming. Uh, but the results are really, really, uh, we believe, revolutionary.
4: Uh, so we're looking at it about a week.
2: So if for whatever reason there was a mistake on the test, would the person get a new one?
4: Oh, absolutely. No no questions asked.
2: If somebody wanted to learn more about this technology, where can they go?
4: Well, one good source is www.fatiguebiomarker.com. And also, we we have more information. I need to check up on what the website's about. But once you order a test, we will uh, give you some more information uh, about the test. Uh, There are some published studies out there. There's one uh, article in Military Medicine. Uh, that I could send to you, uh, and we'd be happy to have that distributed. Though we have to be mindful of uh, uh, publication rights and, and uh, that kind of good stuff. We have another couple of publications that are coming out in the peer-reviewed uh, scientific literature as well that talk about the utilization of the test, and and uh, there's more coming. Uh, it's it's really a scientific thing that we're, we got here, and we're just it's not all smoke and mirrors or uh, celebrity endorsements. That's what makes the product so different.
2: Great. Well, I'd love to get those studies and I'll definitely publish those in the show notes too so people can look at them and see them for themselves. And thank you so much for doing the interview. That was great. Um, I hope to talk again soon and I hope your company does well because I certainly plan on trying it out. See you, man. Thanks. You can find links to everything we talked about today in the show notes
1: at BulletproofExec.com. If you enjoyed this, leave us a positive ranking on iTunes. Have you heard about our new Brain Octane Oil? It goes far beyond upgraded MCT or any other coconut product for creating maximum cognitive function. This is about 4% of what's in coconut oil. It's 18 times stronger than coconut oil And it's what I put in my Bulletproof coffee every single day. I use upgraded coffee beans, brain octane oil. In my case, I can take two tablespoons of it, but a lot of people use much less than that. And I put a couple tablespoons of grass-fed butter in there, blend it, and have an amazing day. If you haven't felt the difference between upgraded MCT and brain octane oil, you owe it to yourself to give it a shot.